Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. We are in this series that we're simply just calling Family Values. And we've uh, talked now for two weeks about how we want to be a gospel, we want to be a gospel-obsessed family. Those are the last two weeks that we did. And I, I got to just acknowledge with you, I, I loved last weekend's service. Um, man, we had some kind of fun, just interruptions, and it felt like the Spirit was doing some things, and we paused for a couple minutes. And I, I altogether had not nearly enough time to say all the things that I wanted to say. Uh, but I will, I will just discreetly weave in more family things in intros for the next several weeks to not bore you with just another family sermon. How is that? So be mindful that we are a church family, that we don't see this as just a gathering of people, of random people. We see this as like brothers and sisters in the household of faith. God could have put you anywhere in the world. He could have put you anywhere in this country, but yet he has planted you here. He has called you here. Many of you, you have decided, I am putting my roots down here. And so let's interact with each other, not in some transactional business formal kind of way, but let's be family. And so when we see people who are, who are maybe by themselves, came into church on their own, let's maybe see if we want to close the gap in our seats a little bit. Let's not, let's not point people in the direction of where the kids' ministry is. Let's not just show them where the donuts are over across the way. Let's walk with them. Let's talk with them along the way. Let's, let's take people out to lunch and take people out to coffee who we know are in the middle of it in life right now. Because this isn't just a random group of people. This is family. Do you see how I did that right there? Several points from last week's sermon that didn't make it in. I just wove them right in, all right? So we're family and we're gospel obsessed. Gosh, there's a lot of things that could grab our obsession right now. I'm pretty into this new Lord of the Rings series. Anybody else? Yeah, okay, some fellow nerds in the room. It's amazing. I don't wanna be obsessed with that. I don't wanna know every little backstory, every fiber of that sort. Like I wanna be obsessed with, I wanna be thinking, constantly bombarding my mind with the truth of the gospel. When I see people, I want to see gospel realities. I don't want to see what culture sees necessarily. I don't want to see identities from a political party or identities from uh, even what they might consider themselves. I want to see people how Jesus sees people. I want to see people the way, the, the way and the value in which they are seen by their loving Father in heaven. I want to have this gospel-obsessed way that I approach life. And this week, what we're going to talk about is the fact that we are a gospel-obsessed family of kingdom people. Kingdom people. So, I mean, this is, when we started working on these values and we started getting them down on paper, we, we latched on to kingdom people pretty, pretty early on. I don't know if you heard it, but man, it came out like six weeks in a row as we were praying for another local church. Devin, who was helping us out, he's like, hey, by the way, new value next week that gets worked in the service or you just got to stop because you just are using the same one over and over. But this is one of those where I just, I acknowledged the first week of this series. So many of these values are things that we're just trying to provide language to that already exist here. So this isn't, this isn't trying to turn the ship or to, to do something totally different. What this is, is it's trying to articulate who we feel like we already are. So we're kingdom people. And in that, we want to call it out all the more so that we might grow in our capacity to be the people who we say we're going to be. So we want to be kingdom people. When we hear that language, when you hear of, of a king, I mean, probably a lot of us think of uh, just what's recently happened in Great Britain, right? Where they, the world has a new king, Right? It's this amazing, amazing thing. What is God's kingdom? It's such this nebulous sort of ethereal idea. The kingdom of God has arrived. We know the kingdom of God is an already not yet reality, that it's already broken through, but it's not yet finally finished. 
We're not yet sitting in the time where, where we can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death is your sting. We can sing that in part, but we can't sing it in its final form yet. Right? So we're in this already not yet, but what, what is the kingdom of God? S- simply put, a kingdom is a realm in which a king exercises his authority. That's how we can think about it. And so where we see the kingdom of God is we see that Jesus has already begun the work. I mean, John the Baptist begins to usher in as this voice crying out the wilderness, the kingdom of God is near. And then it moves to say that the kingdom of God is now at hand. It is within your reach is how we talked about it in the gospel according to Mark. It's right there. It's like you're on the road trip and you're on the outskirts of the town. You're looking down and it's like, we're here. Have we arrived fully yet? No, but man, we've, we're here. I can see it. I can begin to taste what it's going to be like. I begin to see what it's going to look like. The kingdom is Jesus' reign and rule in his kingdom. Where is his kingdom? It's, it's everywhere. And we feel it in part, but we do not yet feel it to the full. So the kingdom of God is, is so many different things. And if um, this is what, I'm just going to level with you guys. This is what happened to me this week. Tuesday, uh, it's a day where I work from home. Um, and I, I've started that rhythm. I modeled it. I mean, Kent was doing it for years. And I, at first I was like, I don't understand that. But then now I'm like, I, I get it. There are so many less distractions at home than there are in the office. And I love all the staff. I love all the team. But when I get a, at home, I can actually write a sermon. Amen? So on Tuesday, this week, I'm, I'm writing the sermon out. And I'm just like, man, praise God. This just came, this came right together. It was amazing. Like it was just section, 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 verse, verse, verse. I was like, this is beautiful. And then I went to turn in my slides to Steph and she's like, well, do you want me to hand you the slides that you did on these passages back in May? I was like, what? I went back and watched that message from May and it was the sermon I'd already preached. That is the one I had written. And I was like, well, at least I'm consistent, right? So I rewrote it, I tweaked some things, but this is, it really is just something that's in us. It's something that we just, we know, we can articulate it. The kingdom of God, it's, it's this idea that we want to be a church that has a local impact and a global reach. We want to do both of these things. And in that series uh, that we said, um, there was life on mission back in May, we used, we used Deuteronomy chapter six as sort of this template for how the kingdom of God can move. And we use the Shema, it's a popular passage. You can go read it on your own, but it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, is, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it goes there to say, man, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is how Jesus adds on to it later. But it says, these commandments that I've given to you, you shall write them on your heart. You shall put them on your heart. And you shall talk about them when you rise and when you lie down. You should talk about them with your children. And we sort of talked about how there's these these circles that the kingdom of God moves through. The reign and rule of Jesus, it first has to start in you and me. I can't beg and petition for the kingdom to come out there where the world's so busted up and culture's drifting in such a kind of way if I'm not willing to go, man, but what about the log in my own eye? Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't sit here and say, Jesus, you are my king and my Lord, and I want to see you move in school and in my workplace, and I can't cry out for revival everywhere else if I still have this sin that I'm holding on to, unwilling to let go of. If Jesus isn't Lord, then he's also not Savior. He has to be both. And so we start, we start by looking at, man, the kingdom of God first has to get into me. And the next place that it goes into is into our families, right? We just, we can acknowledge that parents, you are, parents or grandparents, foster parents, adoptive parents, you are the primary disciplers of your children. You have an impossible job of discipling your kids towards Christ, but yet you cannot choose Christ for your kids. 
So we are doing our best to soak our households with the Holy Spirit of God, and we're going to model it to them, and we're going to beg that the Holy Spirit would capture their little hearts, and we're going to show them everything that we know about Jesus, and we're going to show them that we're not perfect either. There is no such thing as perfect parenting. There's only parenting towards a perfect Savior. That's all there is. That's all we have. And so let me just, let me just put you at ease. You can't pick Jesus for your kids. You can't. You can model it best you possibly want to, but you can't choose it for them. And so therefore, if they don't choose it, let me just set some people free right now. It's not your fault. You have a prodigal in your family. It's, it's not your fault. Did you make some mistakes along the way? Oh, I'm guessing you made plenty because we're all human. None of us are perfect. But by the grace of God, by the spirit of God, we are asking that we might put our kids in a pathway where they might come in contact with him so they might choose him and so they might give their life to them. But that's not a choice that we can make for them. And so discipleship starts in us personally, spills out into our homes, spills out then into our neighborhoods, a local impact. We wanna be, uh, be people where our city knows our name. We wanna continually reach out to and make sure that the that good shepherd is a, a light on a hill sending hope, being this beacon of, of joy and hope and faithfulness to the city of Loveland. Like we're here, our church is here. We're not doing this big, massive online presence right now, even though that's kind of like the cool new thing to do coming out of COVID. Why? Because we're here. Like we're in Loveland. We're trying to reach this city. And at the same time, you go from there and the, the gospel needs to go out to the ends of the earth. And so we are partnering with missionaries all over the world so that we might, these, these four or 500 people that sit as a part of this family, we might actually send our money, send our prayer, send our resources to touch the ends of the earth. And that is the kingdom of God. And the danger in explaining the kingdom of God that way is we start to think about it in these kind of like concentric circles where we start with one, then we move to the next, then we move to the next. When really, God's kingdom is working and moving simultaneously, dynamically throughout all of it. I was thinking like, I, I, uh, I just got the, the Apple Watch Ring app, you know, on my phone. I, I don't, it's, it's on my phone, it's not even on my watch, but it keeps saying like, you have failed to meet your step goal for the day. I can't close that ring. You know, because some days, most days I'm just sitting at a desk all day and I'm not even getting any steps. So it's like 2,000 steps, you know, you are terrible. <laughs> But we can think, like, if you think about trying to close those rings, like, well, first I'm going to do steps, and then I'm going to do exercise, and then I'm going to do standing. That's not how it works. Like, you're just being active. You're being a person who's going around. We're not trying to just work on me before I can go and then witness to my kids. Like, because then you'll never do it. You'll never do it. At some point, you have to embrace the fact that I know the gospel. I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done for me. So I can go talk to that barista oh, but you're not, you're not totally equipped in, in presuppositional apologetics? No, but you don't need to be. You have a testimony. You have a story. You have the Bible. You can say the answer to somebody. Actually, I don't know. That's a really good question. You can say that at the same time, demonstrate the love, the care, the kindness of Christ so that you are participating in bringing the kingdom wherever you go. We can't think about it in this kind of like, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna graduate to this and then I'm gonna finally, finally, I'll be an advanced Christian, a varsity Christian. <laughs> and then I will be able to go to the ends of the earth. That's not how, the, the kingdom of God, like honestly, you're gonna learn your most about Jesus when you get over your head. When I, when, I was a, when I was a young Christian, um, I, was, I was young in my faith. I thought I knew a lot. And it turns out I was just high on zeal, low on wisdom. Anyone else ever been there before? 
And I was helping lead the, the elementary schoolers down here. And, and I was basically like, I don't know any of these stories. Like the amount of theology I was getting in my 20s was from VeggieTales, a lot of it, because I hadn't seen those before. <laughs> Where is this hairbrush? You know, I don't even know, right? It's just like this amazing thing. But I remember Cheryl Wong approaching me and I was like, I don't know that I'm qualified to lead a classroom of elementary schoolers. She's like, can you learn more than a fifth grader, than a fifth grader can in one week? I was like, well, when you put it like that, like, I think I can. But I still, I'd be in there spouting off about the 12 plagues and I'd have Olivia, this little girl in third grade, going like, excuse me, uh, sir, there were only 10. Yeah, you're right. Shut up, Olivia. You know what I mean? Like, I'll tell you this though. Cutting my teeth in children's ministry, that's where I grew in my theology of who Jesus was. I didn't, I didn't wait to learn everything I could in big church and then go serve. I was learning while I was serving. You, you are moving through the circles all at the same time going, God, where can I help bring your kingdom? I am just a willing vessel. God, would you bring your kingdom anywhere you can through me? And so what does it look like? It's so, it's so simple. We try to make it so complex. It's anything that Jesus would do in a moment. Like, and so if, as you look and you see the hurting and the brokenness of this world that we're sitting in, and you look across and you say, is that how Jesus would run this if he was in charge right here? And then when it's an obvious no, you get to step in and go, man, so what would Jesus do with that hurting kid? We'd probably bring him in and show him some love. He'd probably give him a meal. He'd probably make sure he had safe, somewhere safe to go. It's really easy just to ask the question. It's, it's not just a bracelet that we wear, WWJD. It's asking the question when things are in front of us, God, what would you want to do if you were right here, right now, how would you act? And when we start to think about it like that, we get to participate in bringing the kingdom all around us. The early church had this, had this down and they were given pretty clear instructions by Jesus. We see this in, oh, I'm sorry. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 33. He's given the Sermon on the Mount He's given the Beatitudes. He's taught us how to pray. He's teaching us how to view money. He's teaching us how to handle anxiety, what to do when we're, when we're faced with things that we have questions about, but we don't have answers to. And it says in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus, his, his command to us is very clear. Man, you wanna, you wanna get your life in order? You know what you ought to do first? Seek the kingdom of God. Ask the question, God, how can I bring your rule and reign down? Rather than ask, how is this gonna happen? I'm not in control of that like I always thought I was in control of that. The economy is doing this. My stock market account looks like this. Okay, have those questions. Be strategic, be wise. But first and foremost, seek the kingdom of God. And all of this stuff will fall into its right order after it. So we seek the kingdom. Jesus' last words before he goes up to heaven says this. Acts 1, starting in verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So you got to admit, they have this prayer meeting, right? There's, there's 100, maybe, maybe more of them. And they're all gathered together. And he orders them not to depart from Jerusalem. But he says, wait, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus' main message all throughout his ministry was the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here. And, and now they're like, okay, God, you just rose from the dead. That was pretty awesome. So is now when you're gonna do it? Are you gonna finally restore the kingdom to, to what it was supposed to look like, to what it was prophesied about in the Old Testament? Like, is this it? And he says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you 
will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Uh, they're like, so, so God, is now when you're gonna do it? Is now when you're gonna bring the kingdom? And Jesus says, no, now is the time when you're gonna be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now is when you're gonna be filled up and now is the time when you're gonna be my witnesses all the way out to the ends of the earth. You're now gonna carry this with you all the way out to the end of the world. So I've said this already, I've said it again, I'll say it again. We long to be a church that makes a local impact and has a global reach. I'm, I'm so excited about all the things that are going on in our local outreach world right now. A uh, few, few months back, Katie put it out there to anyone wants to help with local outreach, she kind of put this team together and they have decided and they've moved funds around. So now we are giving uh, upwards of 1,500, 2,000 bucks a month out to different ministries that we've partnered with around Loveland and Fort Collins. And I hope that number just continues to grow. I hope the number of ministries that we're involved with, I hope the places where we're praying for and sending people, I hope that just keeps on growing and it keeps on expanding. All, I mean, gosh, I don't even, I'm, I'm gonna be shocked to see how much food y'all brought from Bags by the Bumper today and is getting sorted out by those poor elementary schoolers right now. <laughs> like, I hope we just buried them, you know what I mean? It's like, go pick up your kids later and it's like, man, if you can find them because they're just behind so many cans of food. And if you forgot about bags by the bumper, I will say, run to King Supers in between services, drop it off by somebody else's bumper for second service, because whoever gives in secret will be rewarded in secret. Amen? There you go. I just hope we continue. It's this question that Kent had so many years ago, where he said, man, if our church had to close tomorrow, God forbid, if this church had to just stop gathering tomorrow, would anyone else in the city know? That's this, we, like we wanna just keep, I hope by next year we're giving more money. We're praying for more people. We're sending more people out to serve with all these different partners that we have because Good Shepherd, what we are meant to do in this city is provide a beacon of Jesus's hope and Jesus's life to the city that we're living in. I hope we are making an impact locally. I know we are. I just wanna call it out even more. So when we throw out things to bring a bag and put it by your bumper, when we say, hey, go sign up for the FCA football games, when we say things like, hey, we're doing this house of prayer launch up in Fort Collins, participate, get involved. That's what our family is meant to do is we're meant to be kingdom people. We, we get this feedback probably more than any other feedback that we get. I love that you guys pray for another church in your community every Sunday. Yeah, you know why? Because we're kingdom people. Like the kingdom of God is not, like, is not just stifled to whatever's happening here at Good Shepherd Church. Is the kingdom moving here? Yeah, absolutely, amen, praise God. Every week, there are people getting filled up. There are people getting set free. There are people whose marriages are getting healthier. And, and it's not all happening at once, but we're moving in this already not yet tension where, where we're getting fed the word of God. We're getting discipled by the word of God and we're moving. The kingdom of God is doing things. And he's also doing things in other denominations that don't, don't totally line up with things. We prayed for a Lutheran church just now. I don't know where we differ theologically, but I know there's some places there. We will pray for any church that is Christ-exalting and Bible-believing. Every one of those churches, we want God not just to like, hey, we acknowledge that we're on the same team. <laughs> it's so cool. Like we're on the same team. No, God, bless them. Bless them. Man, what if their church grew a bunch and that means our church shrunk a bunch? Uh, is the kingdom of God so small that we have to think like that? No, like there are, there are not enough seats in all the churches in Northern Colorado to house all the people. Do we know that? Do we understand that? Like we need to keep praying for other churches. We, I, I want to be a church that blesses and gets after whatever is, even if we don't theologically align with everyone all over town, 
if they lift up the name of Jesus, if they hold the word of God rightly, if they pursue the spirit of God, then we're praying for them. We're praying for them. And we're not just praying for them like, oh my gosh, we're gonna pray for you. No, we're praying. God bless them. Pour out finances for them. Pour out resources. Make their vision, their dreams. Make it all come true. Ha make it happen. Lord, move. Do things that you wanna do. We're gonna beg that the kingdom of God would keep showing up. I, like, I've, it's so funny. I've had people ask me like, man, so if the church keeps growing, like what are you just gonna keep adding more services? No, hopefully we'll like plant churches. Hopefully we'll raise up sons and daughters in the faith. Uh, don't act like this is a problem that we have to face tomorrow. It's because it's not. We have plenty of seats in here, but what we're gonna keep doing is we're gonna keep on doing what we're doing and we're, it's not gonna revolve around me preaching eight services on a Sunday morning someday. No, hopefully we look up one day and we go, man, remember when we sent those people and it was hard, it was hard to say goodbye to people. It was hard to let go of people that we loved, but we sent them out. And we said, man, go start a church. Yes, that community needs a church. They need a church. Bless them, go support them, go raise them up because in the kingdom of God, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so we know if we just keep on giving, if we keep on extending, God is going to be faithful to us. We're church people. I believe that the local church is where the hope of Jesus arrives to the world. So we just believe that. We believe it. And so we're going to be for and championing local churches everywhere. Man, that church, it's dying. It needs revitalized. Okay, maybe we'll send some leaders over there to go. I don't, I don't know what the Spirit of God is going to call us to do in the future. Here's what I'm saying. But I know that I want to go and be supportive of the local church everywhere. Because we're kingdom people. And it's not just having a local impact. We also want to have a global reach. This is what all of next week's going to be about. You're going to get to hear from several of our missionaries from around the world. And it is going to be so fun to get to hear what the kingdom of God is doing around the world. Um, because, man, it might look like we're on the losing end right now in America. And how many of y'all, if we're just kind of honest, like it kind of feels that way a little bit. You kind of see the graphs of church attendance over the years. You see the graphs of like people who believe the Bible, people who believe in Jesus is the only way to heaven. And it just kind of like dwindles down. I'll tell you like the church in Iran right now, exploding. It's explode. Like if you just lift your eyes up off of what's happening in this nation right now, you'll see the kingdom of God. It's good for you to know. It's not just America. It's all over the world. And so we want to partner with, I'll tell you, like, if you have never been on a short-term mission trip, we're hoping that we'll keep those going at some point. COVID made it really difficult and vaccine passports made it really difficult. But we're hoping that in the near future, we're going to move back towards doing short-term mission trips, sending people out. And I will tell you, it is so vital that at least one time you go, especially if you have kids and, and maybe your kids are getting, uh, let's just put it like delicately, maybe they're getting accustomed to the nice things that we have in America and they're not exactly really grateful about it. I know that's none of the kids in this room. I know it's like, it's other kids in your school and stuff like that. Like, but you're just complaining that we only have like Cheerios to eat in the morning. And we need to be reminded that, that man, this, this country, it provides some luxuries that can detach us from the reality of the rest of the world. And it's important that we go but it's not just important that we go for ourselves to build ourselves up. It's not just important that we go. It's important how we go as well. It's important how we go. Uh, all, for all the talk in being critical of evangelicalism right now, because that's kind of the really sexy thing to do is just to be really critical of big Eva, you know, like it's big pharma or something. like. Literally, they will say that, you know, like to be really critical of the evangelical movement and to say, well, you know, we're just kind of going and whitewashing all these cultures. And I would say, no, we're not. This church, we've, that's never how we've done missions. That's never how we prioritize missions. We're not trying to go and take American culture and put it somewhere else. In other words, when I went down to Haiti a few summers back, uh, we weren't singing Chris Tomlin songs. You know what I mean? Three of you know what I mean? Like it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like Walmart. We're not trying to build a church that looks like this. It's Haiti. 
It's important that we're, we're not going for cultural assimilation when we go and we partner with other missionaries. Uh, what we're looking for is gospel contextualization. So how, how, like when we're gonna hear from some of you, we're gonna hear how, how the church is moving in Malaysia, how it's moving in the Philippines, and it's not gonna be the same as what it is here. And praise God for that. Like we're not trying to just go and blueprint. We're not, that's not how we approach missions here. It's important that you know that because that's kind of the lie that's being tossed around the Christian world right now is that, man, well, you just, you guys think that white people are superior to everyone else and you're just going and trying to take your white religion and shove it down everyone else's throat. And the, the, the Christian movement started in the Middle East. So it's not a white person's religion. First of all, it is, it is a religion for the whole world, for the whole world. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be there on the last day worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The last time I read the book of Revelation, it'll be every tribe, every tongue exalting his name. And it's important that we remember that because we are not superior to any other Christian around the world. But what we do have is we have some resources here. Gosh, I'm thankful that in 2022, this church will send out over $130,000 to missionaries around the world. You guys need to know that. You need to be reminded of that. When you hear some of the stories come up next week, know that maybe you didn't go there, but your money's been there. You have blessed and you have sent and we have these resources. And, and if you want to get all stifled on this idea of privilege, I would remind you, like look up and recognize, man, you know what? My life has been pretty privileged. I have been pretty blessed. And what God is going to bid me to do with my own privilege is to say, okay, how can I use that to further your kingdom, God? Right, we, I mean, I don't want to get off... I'm already off. Let's just stay here just a minute because I think it's important. <laughs> we get so bent out of shape about this idea of white privilege and I get it to an extent, but what we have to embrace is that every single person in this room, my guess is you probably did a lot of hard work to get where you are and I can commend you for that. And at the same time, you were really blessed along the way. You were really graced along the way. You could even probably say, man, God gave you some really distinct and unique privileges along the way. Now, the problem is, is when culture tries to condemn you for having those privileges and the responsibility of a Christian is to take that privilege and to say, I'm not going to use that in this self-centered way. I'm not going to use it to build up my own kingdom because that's the most easy answer in the world that we're living in today. But instead, I'm going to take everything, God, that you've blessed me with and I'm going to use it to try and build up your kingdom. And so I'm going to give resources. I'm going to give time. I'm going to be praying, God, what do you want to do in your kingdom? How do you want to move in this world and that's a whole different conversation than what the world's trying to have right now. But I'm just trying to remind everyone in the room today is that, man, if you have some stuff, just remember that's stuff that you hopefully have an open hand that you're holding to and you're, you're willing to say at any moment, Spirit of God, what do you want me to do here? You give me this great house with all these bedrooms. Do I need to find more kids to fill them with? Like, do, do we need to reach out and do some foster care, some respite care, some adoptive stuff? God, man, you've, you've given me so many resources. Is there another ministry? Is there other people I could feed around the world? Like there are things that we can do from here that don't just limit our reach to love in Colorado, but we can partner with ministries around the world and we can equip missionaries and we can send resources around the world. We want to have a local impact and a global reach. I, I love the way that, that Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, and I put it up here in the message version. And so I want, to, I want us to read it. I love how Eugene Peterson writes it here. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, death swallowed by triumphant life. Isn't that a beautiful line? Who got the last word? Oh, death. Oh, death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gives sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death are gone 
the gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. And we can stop just right there. That is an amazing, amazing reality. Sin, guilt, death. You may still have some guilt in your life, but you don't have to live with it. Jesus has paid for it. Jesus has taken care of it. Then he goes on to say, with all of this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Know that there's an enemy who's trying to wage war constantly against your soul. Stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves in the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing that you do is a waste of time or effort when you're doing it for the kingdom's sake. Here's what, I I love saying things like, man, so let's just go out of here today and let's just go punch the devil right in the face. Like I just, I love having that kind of attitude about it because man, uh, we are more than conquerors in Christ, are we not? So we should have this kind of spirit and posture of victoriousness when we go out there in the world knowing that death doesn't reign anymore. Sin doesn't reign anymore. Guilt, guilt and condemnation, they don't reign anymore. Jesus reigns. Jesus is on his throne. So let's go out there and let's make a mess of the enemy. Let's punch him right in the face. And I love saying that and it gets a lot of whoops and it gets a lot of cheers, but you know what's true? It's easy to like latch onto a saying like that. It's much harder to look at somebody who's hungry and to say, I'm gonna spend the time this afternoon when I had a hundred other things I could have been doing and I'm gonna make them a meal and I'm gonna deliver it to them. It is harder than to just to say, man, God, you reign on your throne. Let's go punch the devil right in the face. It is easier to say that than it is to just go, you know what, I'm gonna take the time to sit with this coworker after the clock's already hit five. I should be getting home already, but I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna talk with you. I'm gonna listen to your problems and I'm gonna hear you and you're gonna be seen and I'm gonna show you love it gets way more difficult when it actually starts to live itself out in life. But that, listen to me, that is how we take shots at the enemy. That is, that is how we spread the kingdom of God. It's in those small moments. It's not in these big haymaker revival moments that we're just like, man, God, would the spirit of revival just pour out on America? Yes and amen, please. But would it also pour out in us? Would we be willing to be people who will go walk the extra mile with that person? Will we be the kind of people who will show up and give even when we're not really sure where all the money's gonna come for, for our bills this month? Like, would we be those kind of people that when the rubber meets the road, we're the kind of people that say, no, no, I'm a kingdom person. I'm gonna lay all this aside, God. I'm gonna pursue your kingdom. And so whether it's taking care of somebody or whether it's loving somebody that's difficult, whether it's showing up in somebody's life that doesn't vote like me, I'm gonna do it, God, because I'm about your kingdom. I'm not about my own. The easiest kingdom for you and I to build is our own. It's our own kingdom to pursue our own thing, to do what I want to do. But continually, daily, we are laying our life down going, God, what do you want to do through me? I want to close with this passage from Jesus. Because I think when we think about what does the kingdom look like, we have to look at Jesus. Jesus was perfectly executing the will of the Father while he was here on earth. He was the perfect example of a king here on earth. Whatever he wanted to have done, whatever God wanted to have done, it happened we are gonna be imperfectly executing God's will until God comes and brings his kingdom permanently. So just know, like, we're, we're gonna have days where we think we're trying, we think we're doing the right thing and we are failing, but I always hope that we're failing forward. Hopefully we're trying. Complacency and passivity are what are always trying to set in, but we need to be trying, pushing forward. Even if we're messing up sometimes, we need to be trying to have those conversations, trying to be generous in this kind of way. We're gonna be trying to be attuned to the spirit of God, knowing that Jesus did it perfectly, I'm gonna do it imperfectly until he returns and brings it permanently. Does that make sense? So with that, let's jump into Matthew chapter nine. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's plenty of things that God wants to do out there, but the people who are willing to go do it are few. There's plenty of fruitfulness to be had, plenty of harvest to be taken, but the people who are actually willing to go do the dirty work are few. Jump back one slide for me, Austin. I'm not talking to myself, by the way. The slide guy's name is Austin, too. That'd be really weird. Jesus went proclaiming the gospel of what? The gospel of the kingdom. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What was he doing? He was healing every disease and every affliction. Here's how he did it. Here's how. This is something that you and I can do. He saw the crowds. How many times is Jesus telling his disciples, man, some people, they have, they have ears to hear, but they can't hear. They have eyes to see, but they cannot see. Aren't we praying, God, would you open up my eyes? Jesus was seeing the crowds, as in he was looking. He was actively paying attention to the world around him. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you're going to go from here. Do you have eyes to see the kingdom? Are you seeking his kingdom first? I just think, I mean, we're all gonna go from here. We're gonna go our separate ways. We all have different things that we're doing this week, I'd imagine. Are you, are you consciously thinking at different turns God, am I seeing this the way that you're seeing it? Am I, am I actively looking at the world around me? And then when he saw, what did he see? He saw because he saw people who were harassed and helpless. That, that, is, that is a kind of person that we can see all the time if we have eyes to see. And by the way, everyone who's filled with the spirit of God has eyes to see. You can see things in the spiritual. You can see things past what's actually happening right in front of you. And if we look and if we see, what we'll see are a bunch of people who are helpless to save themselves. They're caught in hopeless situations. They're completely stuck in their own sin. They are completely ensnared. They're right where the devil wants to have them. And if we just keep looking, we'll see people who are stuck and they're harassed. They're being tormented. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're stuck in this place. They can't get out of whatever they're seeing. And Jesus, what's the, what's the middle thing that hinges what he sees and what he observes is his compassion for them. He sees the crowd and he has compassion for them. That word compassion, it's this Greek word. I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even gonna try. But it's like this visceral, guttural response to seeing something. It's not just like, oh, you know, that homeless person, ah, they're probably choosing it on their own. Might be true. But what compassion does is compassion goes, but what would that feel like to be them? Uh, how, how would that be to not even know where your next meal is going to come from? And it's this just like internal angstiness, this guttural, just like, ah, oh, I can't even bear to live with myself. It's compassion that does something. We just so cheapen that word compassion, just say, oh, I just kind of had the feelings for that person right there. No, it's so much deeper than that. It's something that I'm, I'm, I can't get it out of my brain because it so upset me. And so we need to pray for the spirit of God to increase our compassion so that we'll be more hungry to see the kingdom of God come in the world we're living in. Because if we're willing to look and if we're willing to feel that kind of compassion for people, we're gonna see people who are helpless and harassed all over the world around us. And every single one of those people are people who are ripe to experience the kingdom of God. Maybe it's through a conversation. Maybe it's through an act of generosity. Maybe it's through just doing something kind out of nowhere. But all those people are helpless and hopeless apart from Jesus. And so our distinct privilege as the church of Jesus Christ, as kingdom people, is to get to be the bridge between what God has already established in his son on the cross and what he's going to do in this world someday.
we get to be beacons of hope, beacons of light as we focus on, prioritize the kingdom of God locally, globally, in ourselves, in our own homes, with our families, through our church. Please, God, would we see the kingdom come. Austin, do we have the slide uh, for the value? Kingdom people, we wrote it like this. Jesus is building his church around the world and we intend to join him. The church is not just our building, but it is a be- it's not just a building, but is a beautiful mosaic of God's gathered people around the world. We love people and we want to be a church that makes an impact locally while we extend our reach globally. We will join the planting, revitalization, and celebration of his church anywhere. Jesus had compassion for people that he came to save, so we will see the cares of the world around us and consider it our joy to meet those needs while we share the good news. We long to see our church activated and established and, and activated to establish spiritual, social, and cultural renewal in our city and our world. We want to bring God's kingdom and push back what is evil and dark. We are desperate for people to meet Jesus. There is sincere care here for the physical, spiritual, and mental needs of our community. We won't wait for Jesus to return. Instead, we will arise and build with the Spirit. Would you guys stand? We're going to pray. If you're even willing, would you just kind of hold your, posture your hands in front of you? God, we just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you fill us with compassion? Would you fill us with the ability to see things the way that you see them, God? Help us to lift our eyes above the cultural mess that we find ourselves in and help us to see people the way that you see them. Help us to see your love and your value and your worth that's on people. God, I pray that we would see ourselves as willing vessels, ready and eager to participate in whatever it is that you wanna do in the world around us. Spirit, like we just ask God, would you make us more able and more willing to sit and to stop and ask what it would feel like to be the people who are ensnared and stuck and enslaved. And when we see places where we could go and we could set people free. Jesus, I would just pray even for us as we're gathered in this room today, would you just, would you lift us up a little bit? I know there are stories in here that are hard. There are people in here that are hurting and they feel like they're barely making it. Would we be, would we be family? And would we also be people who are willing to go the extra mile with our brothers and sisters in this room to show up with a meal, to show up with help, to show up with a conversation. However it is that your spirit sees fit, God, we want to be wherever you're going. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.